comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. This is the PKD Black Box. Last time we talked, I did not ask you about Comic-Con, and that's the Connecticut uh, Comic Convention. Uh, It's a one-day show, and it's got all these special guests and comics and cosplay and toys and goodies and whatnot. And I didn't ask you about it, so I was being rude. So I didn't want to mention it. <laughs> yes, you did. You don't. You were kind of rude. Oh, I'm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Donnie. I'm sorry. Oh, see, now I'm taking out this time to apologize for my rudeness. Rude. And yeah, I know. I know. I pulled a Daryl. I'm sorry. And and how rude. <laughs> how, but how was the, how was Comic Con, sir? Oh my God, dude. Let's let's just say that the good people at the Trumbull Marriott did not know what they were getting themselves into. Oh boy, dude. There's so many people showed up that everybody that was waiting in line had to go home. That's how many people showed up to this thing. They had to go home. Yeah. They couldn't fit another person in this building if they wanted to. So they couldn't wait outside. Well, they could, but I mean, you know, but they pretty much told them that your chances of getting in are slim to none. Yeah, it's pretty much sold out, dude. Like, I bought me and my nephew tickets. The guy who runs it, that's who LCS I go to. He owns a comic book shop. Yes. And so uh, I, uh, as soon as he put the thing, I said, oh, do you have tickets? And he goes, yeah. I said, all right, uh, give me two. One for me, one for my nephew. And so I bought two way back as soon as he said they were doing it because it was up in the air if they were going to do it this year or not because the venue they had last year, uh, which was this uh, a hotel in Stamford, Connecticut. And what happened was they added on to their hotel so the so to pay for all their renovations they doubled the price of everything oh so he's like there's no way i could take a chance you know what i mean like who knows you know a bajillion people could come or you know just me and my nephew could show up so he didn't want to take that chance so he uh they didn't know if they were going to have it and then finally the trumbull marriott said yeah we'll do it you silly bastards <laughs> Last, Daryl even came up. Yep, he came up. Uh, he hung out with the secret identity dudes for the most part because he doesn't really like to walk. Oh, I thought he was supposed to help you. No, I didn't have a table this year. Okay, all right. All right. I just went as a. It was the first time I went as a guest. Okay, as a spectator. So there was a, a crap ton of cosplay, dude. Someone made this beautiful mural of all different comic uh, characters and things from like. Uh, the beginning of comic creation all the way up until, you know, now. It was this huge mural that's hung on the side of the building. I took a few pictures of it that are at my Facebook page if you want to check them out. Uh, there's all different. There's pictures from Comic-Con last year and this year in the same album, but you'll see it. Um, there's also a picture of Donnie with a cupcake hat. That <laughs> that was taken at work. <laughs> I have no idea where that cupcake hat came from, but I saw it and put it on immediately. 
<laughs> and one of the ladies I work with snapped a picture right quick and in a hurry, and boom, it was on Facebook just like that. That's so, the power of the internet, man. That's yes, it is. There was a lot of cool people there: Jerry Ordway, Joe Kelly, Billy Tucci, um, Chris Giarusso, Michael Golden, Peter David. I talked to none of them. Why not? Well, because like uh, my nephew's twelve. And I had to chase him all over the place <laughs> because he had a sensory overload of all the cool shit that was going on between the working R2-D2 that was walking around the floor. Yeah. You know, all kinds of Lego stuff was there and all kinds of Star Wars stuff was there and all kinds of Spider-Man things. And it was just like, so between, and, and you know how I am. Oh, I know. I'm I a shop. Oh, I know. So I was shopping a little bit and, uh, you know, and I tell him, I'd be like, Devon, look, don't go more than two vendors away from me so I can see you because your mom doesn't care um, what we do, but she does want you to come home. <laughs> that was like the one rule that I had was to bring you home and bring you home alive. Yeah. So, okay. And so there I was looking through books. I'd look up. Devon's gone. Running around looking for him. And then and then, uh, but it was nice. Like uh, Daryl and I and, and Devon had dinner, uh, lunch together. We saw Luke. Oh, Luke Foster. Yeah, hung okay. out with him for a little while. We were gonna go uh, have dinner later in the evening, but uh, I don't know, man. I think my nephew ran himself. He ran himself stupid. <laughs> of course he did. You told because it was like the thing was open till six, I think, and like around four thirty, he was like, oh, "I'm tired." <laughs> so you're trying to tell me you want to go home? Well, we could stay if you want to. I said, that's not what I said, Devon. I said, you, you, you want to go home? <laughs> and, uh, dude, let's put it this way. Every time we dropped off a load of shit to my car, yeah, someone thought we were leaving and would wait for the space. Oh. <laughs> and I'd have to tell them, no, we're not leaving. Because, dude, I found a vendor... That actually, I found a couple of vendors that had quarter books, and I am talking twenty boxes, twenty long boxes, and nothing but quarter books. Ooh! I went through every single one of those. I bought for one dude. I bought forty dollars worth of quarter books. Where where do you have room for these? In my office slash computer room slash uh, comic room slash sewing room. <laughs> slash day spa. Slash. Okay, I'm I'm just making sure. I don't I don't I don't want the misses. I have plenty of room from Casa, in Casa de, de Salvo. Okay, no problem. I just didn't want the misses to get mad at you. That's all. Nah. Okay. So then I took my nephew here and we ordered a big old um we ordered a big old uh mashed potato and bacon pizza and ate went through our treasures of the day. Oh wait a minute, I need you to rewind that. Mashed potato and bacon pizza. I've not heard of this madness that you speak. Oh, no, that's good, dude. That's good. That's all right. Which part didn't you hear of? The, the was ma- it the mashed potatoes or, or, or was the it bacon. the bacon? See, the thing is, I, I know the saying bacon. Pizza. It's pizza, but it, bacon makes everything taste better. But you are combining bacon and mashed potatoes on pizza. Does this also have pizza sauce? No, you get it white. Oh, okay, you get the white sauce. Okay, that still is madness. No, it's delicious. Okay, I'll take your word for it, brother. I've you been... check it out. 
We we look. We have a lot of we have a lot of pizza joints in Lexington, and a lot of them serve exotic pizzas. None of them serve mashed potato and bacon pizza. So, what are you, you sure? I'm positive. So, what you're telling me is is that I'm going to have to spend an absorbent amount of money to fly up to Connecticut to one of those fancy airports of yours because you got two of them, and both of them are as expensive as hell to fly from from Lexington. So, I might as well just take a bus, which will take me three days to get there, and knock on your door. And say, Donnie, where is the smashed potato and bacon pizza? And I'll go, go down the street, <laughs> take a left, take a right. See that plaza down there? Okay, guy's in the back of the plaza. So just take a right into the driveway, quick left, and boom, up the stairs, and you're right there. See, Donnie won't give me a ride. I, I, I just. Well, no, that's not what you asked. You didn't ask oh. me for a ride. You okay. asked me. <laughs> you asked me, where do I get the pizza? So I told you. Well, I appreciate you. You didn't say, can we go get some? If well, you said, let's go get some, I'd jump in the car with you and we go. Okay, well, well, I'll, I'll hop on a plane or a train or an automobile, and I will come to your house, and I will ask you, Donnie, can you take us to get mashed potato and bacon pizza? And we would. Okay, there you go. All right. Well, please continue. I'm sorry. I interrupted you because that's the strangest thing I've ever heard, so continue. <laughs> So, um, you know, like I said, we had lunch with Daryl, hung out with Daryl for a little bit. Daryl left early, too, around 4.30. Uh, he was beat. It was funny because, like, my nephew didn't know Daryl was kidding. But uh, every time Daryl and I are at a con, Daryl goes, why is it so crowded in here? God, why are there all these people here? Like, he just whines and complains. Mm-hmm. But he does it as a joke, right? Right, right, right. So we're in the car, we're driving, and my nephew goes, you know, Daryl's a nice guy, but God, he complains a lot. <laughs> and I was like, I just, I just laughed. And I didn't even tell him that uh, that was a joke or anything. I was just like, yeah, he do. Mm-hmm. He just complained. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But um, it was a blast. Everybody who was working at that con from vendors to the people running it were running around with their head like chickens with their head cut off because there was just so much i mean from vintage gi joe toys to like i said quarter books some dude had uh prints of movie posters Mm. that were uh you know shrunk down to be like 11 by 17 yeah 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 all kinds of local artists doing sketches selling their wares and whatnot it was separated into like uh four or five different rooms man so you had like the main room was like all people selling and whatnot right okay yeah your vendor then they had another room and it was like um all the comics pros like peter david and billy tucci and stuff then they had another room was all independent creators and then they had uh another room where a local zoo came and and put up like a um like a demonstration, all different animals and things like that that they have at their zoo, so people come and visit. That is not see that's that's more weird. That's more weird than the uh, the mashed and, potato uh, bacon pizza. <laughs> and uh, I mean, my nephew was just bouncing from room to room and room to room. It was just crazy. And then outside, they had a, there were so many people in this place, dude. They had to tell all the cosplayers. If they weren't shopping or doing something to go outside to take pictures with people, because if you stopped, if someone stopped to take a picture, the hallway was just jammed. Yeah. I mean, absolutely jammed. 
So is it safe to say that next year um, the person running the show is going to take it back to the other hotel? I think in all honesty that uh, the other hotel, you'd probably have the same problem because it really wasn't much bigger than where we were this year. Okay, so it, there isn't like uh, like a like a spot or a cent convention center that just has one big open space to have. That's everything. what they have to look for. Okay, right. they're gonna have to start to look for like an ex some kind of expo center type of deal where it's not as big as like a an arena, but it's bigger than ballrooms or hotels. Right, they have to right. find that middle space. Yeah, and I believe that they may actually be going to two days next year. That would probably be a good idea, um, um, especially for the number of people that try to go this year. Right. I mean, dude, it was insane. Like every time my nephew and I would, like I said, we would drop off our stuff at our car. the The line was inside, all the way through the lobby of the. Like you had to go down this long corridor, dude, to where Comic Con was. Right from the lobby of the hotel. Mm-hmm. A couple of times we went to drop off our stuff at my car. The line went from the opening of Comic-Con all the way up this hallway, through the lobby of the hotel, out the door, in and around the corner of the building. It was a good time. Well, it sounds like a good time, man. I'm glad you have fun. You know, one year, I am honestly going to have to come out to that show, whether it be tabling at that show or just coming out just to have a good time. Um, you know, all, just all this travel was just expensive as hell. Sure is. You know. Well, you would be able to crash at my place. Well, let me know. I appreciate it. You know, I, I want to see Casa del Salvo. I want to see all this hard work you put on that lawn. <laughs> That's what I want to see. Be seeing, face- okay. be seeing Facebook posts, Donnie, be like, damn, I hate this fucking lawn. Why I got to mow this shit? Why I got to do yard work for? I'm like, welcome to home ownership, buddy. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's not that I mind doing yard work. It's just that the woman who, the elderly woman who had this house before me, put a ridiculous amount of bushes in this place. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Every other week, I gotta stay, spend two days trimming bushes. Well, you know what you do is you trim those. You normally trim them right toward the, the beginning of the fall when it starts to get cold. That's when you're supposed to trim them, and you trim them as low as possible, as low as you want them to be. Because then that way, when when the warmer weather comes up, they don't blossom to the size of trees. If you try to trim bushes during the summer, depending on what type of bush it is, it will grow back, um, you know, much faster. That's what I was told. And actually, it happened because I was hard-headed last year. And I was like, I hate these damn bushes. Let me trim them down now. And I trimmed them in the, in the summer. This is when we also had rain uh, last year. And those things came back like big afros. And I, my feelings were hurt. Right now, the, the bushes are a manageable size. And probably in about two or three weeks, I'm going to trim them down, make them a little bit smaller, prepare for winter. Winter is coming. And um, I had to do that. I'm sorry. Uh, and hopefully they won't. Winter is coming. <laughs> that is great. I'm glad. I'm serious. I'm glad you had fun at that show. I, You know, we plugged that. Uh, we put that Tales from the Attic Comic-Con special up there. And it got some attention. And, you know, and, and I really hope that, um, you know, they're able to find a venue that is able to host and hold all the people that are excited about comic books and cosplay and toys and all the other stuff. And then see, also, I think it's great that, you know, you taking you taking like, you know, the Devon in to these places and helping him experience this stuff like 
dude, these will be memories that he'll remember for a lifetime. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I think that's great that, that you do that. Now, granted, yeah, the boy ain't supposed to be running off, but as we all know, 12-year-old kids is hard-headed, you know, because they think they know everything. Oh, I just kept looking up in the sky saying, you know, Mom, what is this, payback? <laughs> For all the times I used to, because like when, when I was a kid, man, if she... She took me out of that, that the carriage and put me on the ground, dude. I was gone. Mm-hmm. I didn't hang out with my mom at all. I was gone in the store. And you know where I was at, the toy aisle. Oh, but of course. Or I was hiding in the racks of clothes waiting to scare her or something. Because <laughs> that's the way I was, man. <sighs> you that's are. the way I was. You're a nut, dude. Why don't you tell me about Baltimore? Yeah, man, Baltimore Comic Con. It was it was amazing. It was an amazing it's big, weekend. right? Yeah, dude, it's huge. Like I have to give you the whole rundown so you can understand the wonderful weekend I had in Baltimore. I, honestly, I, I've I've had I've, I've I've been to a bunch of shows in the last two two three years, Donnie, but I've never had as much fun in a weekend. And I've had lots of weekends of fun, but I had a ton of fun. Um, at this show, it started. It's a, you know it's a Saturday Sunday show, but I flew out on Friday um, because I was staying with with you know with with my friend Chris Campbell. And good dude, yeah, real good dude, real good dude, wonderful guy, wonderful family, really great guy. I met Chris a few years back at a CGS Super Show. Uh-huh. And Me too. Yeah, yeah, really good, you know, really great dude. And you know, and, and as the years have, have gone along, you know, we talk on Twitter, we talk on Facebook, we talk on the internet and whatnot. Just a really great guy. And like one year, he said, "Listen, you ever come to Baltimore? I help you out. I got a spot for you." I was like, "For real?" I was like, "Cool." So he lives like on like the he lives like on the outskirts of Virginia. So he's like right by D.C. So you just cut through D.C. to get to Baltimore. Uh-huh. So you know, it's it's not bad. And so I flew out. I flew out, landed at the Dulles Airport. He picked me up, went to, you know, went to his house, met the family and, and the three kids. You know, <laughs> great kids, great family. Little Leo was cracking me up because, like, he's, like, the youngest. And, like, because I'm tall, he would just, like, look up at me and, like, smile and start laughing. He wanted to be picked up. The only reason he wanted to be picked up is so he could grab my glasses. And <laughs> <laughs> he started laughing. But wonderful family. That night on Friday night, Chris was like, listen, we're going to have, like, a get-together uh, you know, at my house, we're going to have some people over. We're going to have, you know, beer and refreshments and food. It's going to be a great time. I was like, cool, man. That sounds great. So he walks me down to his basement. Uh-huh. Donnie, this this basement is everything I think you or I envisioned to have one day. Um, it's like the ultimate fortress of solitude. Beautiful bookshelves with hard covers and trade paperbacks all arranged and like spots for like action figures and, and collections with like little spotlights underneath them. And he's got on the other side, he's got his, um, you know, his um, short boxes of comics and, and artwork. He's got artwork framed all over the room, but it's like, you know, it's nicely arranged. And he's got like, you know, statues and all this other stuff. It's just, it's a gorgeous room. He showed me some of his you know, artwork from his, you know, private collection. Like say for instance, like, you know, sketches or original pages and, just wonderful so company hasn't arrived yet and i look to the side and there's like seven or eight short boxes like just on the floor i'm like chris what's my chris what's this man he was like yeah i'm giving that away he was like listen he's like i I gotta give some of this stuff away he's like i sold what i wanted to sell 
but these are some great comics in here, and I just want to give them away. So when when the when the when company shows up, they can take what they want to take. It's all right. This stuff can go. I was like, that's hey. dope. Yeah, I was like, hey, can I start looking through this? He's like, man, go ahead. So I, Batman in there. What you say? Jenny Batman in there. Um, yeah, there was there was some Batman in there. Man, why didn't you call me if there was Batman in there? <laughs> man, you there Justice League in there. There's some Justice League in there. Man, why didn't you call me if there was Justice League in there? Man, there was some X-Men in there, too. I'm talking about... You never call me I'm talking about good shit happens. I'm you never call me when the good shit happens. You are in Connecticut. What you gonna do? What, what, how you gonna get there? How you, by the time you got there, the you could take a, You could... There's a there's a post office, Sean. <laughs> what you tell me? There's no such... What you, get me all upset. I can't even talk. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. So I'll pull out some books. And like, there's like six of the six of the six of the uh, short boxes were comics, and you know some some were in um, so, you know some were uh, oh what's the word I'm looking for some were wrapped some were not but it's still cool all types of books you know old school new school and then there's another box with like hard covers and trade paperbacks and then there's another box that had like some trade paperbacks and it had like a couple of DVD box sets and I look in the last box yeah damn yeah that's what I said man I'm like man. Uh, these people tonight gonna have a ball, and I look uh, and I look in the last box, and there's like Chuck season one and Chuck season two, and you know I'm away from my wife for for this whole weekend, and I was like you know what man, I need to do something for her, you know because I'm gone the whole weekend. She lets me go out and like do you know take part in these things. I know sometimes she gets upset because I'm away and whatnot. I said I was like yo Chris. I want to give these to my wife. Is this cool? He's like, man, take them things, man. I was like, you have just saved my marriage. Thank you. <laughs> and and so I, you know, I went ahead and put those in the suitcase. But like, um, I you know, I picked up like some some uncanny X Men books from the eighties that I used to have that were destroyed. Oh, really? That were destroyed. Um, like the um, was it issue two hundred? Oh yeah, yeah, Magneto with that ugly ass costume on the yeah, cover. Yeah, with with the big M on it. Yeah, and they're fighting. Uh, the X Men are fighting the uh, what do you call it? Twins. The, the, was it the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants? They were fighting. No, no, no it was Baron von Strucker supposedly had two twins or something that had powers. And didn't like Thunderhawk or Thunder or Thunderhawk or Thunderbird show up in that issue? Like the son of or whatever. I can't remember. It's been so no. That was one ninety three. One ninety three. Okay, cool. That's when they thought he came back from the grave and he started kicking the crap out of all the X Men that let him die. But it turned out to be um, his brother Thunderbird. Uh, okay. The, the one that was in um, uh, the Hellions, and then later in the X Men. All right, cool, cool, yeah. But I I picked up some old school X Men books. Uh, picked up the first issue of Atari Force with. Uh, oh, he had Atari Force. He had one Man, issue. You know I'm looking for Atari Force. He had <laughs> he had one issue. He had the first issue. And, oh, I think I got that one. And the Jose and the Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Garcia Lopez, artwork, bitch. Oh, dude, that artwork is beautiful. so beautiful, so beautiful. Um. I picked up the I Kill Giants hardcover, um, which was really nice. Uh, and then, like, a stack of other books. They're still at his house. He's going to mail them to me because I couldn't put all that in my suitcase. I had one little suitcase, and all that shit wasn't going back in that one little suitcase. I was like, Chris, I was like, man, look, I'll pay you. Just if you can ship these to me. He's like, I got you. I was like, all right. Then, then, this, the company hasn't even showed up yet. We haven't even talked about the show yet, but the company hadn't even show, shown up yet. And he showed me his, like, Transformers collection. Yeah. And they were like in these like oh dude, it was so nice. I it was it was awesome. It was awesome. Like all of his favorite Transformers just like all looking pristine and clean. It, they were great. They were great. Well anyway. We chill out for a while. 
company shows up and it comes in waves. Like we had like this period of time, I think we got up to like 17, 18 people in the basement and outside and on the patio total. I mean, wow. it, it was huge. And nice. the first people that showed up, it was Rock, um, our friends are uh, Rock, Daryl, and uh, Mike and Barb, Barb Myers. Now, you know Mike from the DC Noise <laughs> podcast. And we all know Crazy Daryl. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, like, you know, Rock is a, is, is a listener of the podcast. He listens to all the podcasts, and, and he supports everything we do. And then Keith Keith Knudsen showed up. Star, nice. Star Joe's podcast folks showed up. Ryan and the champ Chuck and some of his friends. And uh, Julian Lytle showed up. My boy Julian showed up. And, and all of our, a couple other friends showed up. And uh, Rob Anderson showed up. And Hassan showed up. These are, like, all people that I have known over the years. Some, like, you know, I've hung out with many times. But, like, other we've only talked through like twitter and facebook and whatnot to be able to meet them face to face just hold conversations it's 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 just great feeling folks like grabbing comics and trading comics another dude that was in front of star joe's brought a big like long box of comics was like yo take what you want to take and folks was like trading swapping comics and toys and it was like it was like being like 10 years old all over again hanging out with your friends and like swapping shit I want to go next year. <laughs> so, and then the food showed up. Oh. Yeah, we had uh, food from like Buffalo Wing University. I'll tell you something, I had some boneless wings, and they were like the most glorious wings I've ever had in my entire life. Glorious. And, oh, they were so tasty. Now, Daryl has some wings too, but see, Daryl had like these barbecue boneless wings, but he was supposed to share them because. It was like, because he had regular wings of all different flavors, and I specifically asked for boneless wings because, like, I can't eat chicken on a bone. Long story, had a bad experience as a child. That's where I'm going to leave it. Um, okay. But I specifically said, yo, just give me, like, an eight-piece of blah, blah. But they were, like, these buffalo boneless wings that was for everybody. Daryl just picked it up and just ate them all. Didn't share them with nobody. And I was like, yo, man, why don't you go share them wings? He's like, shut up, Sean. And... <laughs> <laughs> Has, it, has he been drinking at uh, all? Uh, a touch. A touch. And then, like, he got, then he'll sit there and, like, just, like, bother me for, like, an hour. I was like, yo, man, you should have shared them with Shut up, Sean. You don't tell me what, you ain't my daddy, Sean. I'm like, listen, you're supposed to share. And and I shouldn't have said that because then he bothered me for, like, 35 minutes. But I bet he did. It was only 35 minutes. Well, I had to walk away. I figured he'd be following you around the entire convention center going, how's this, Sean? Am I sharing all right, Sean? No, no, no. That didn't happen. That didn't happen at the convention, thank goodness. But It could have. Um, but, you know, but then, like I said, we were just hanging out, having a great time. Um, like, we introduced Rob Anderson to regular show. And it was like it, it was like me. That's a great show. Yes. Me, Julian, Chris Campbell, Hassan, and Rob. Because uh, Chris had like his uh, his computer up and he had some episodes and we started playing a couple, man. So it was like three different parties at once. So like we was all watching a regular show on one side, another side was just talking, having a conversation. Then outside, some folks was drinking and having a conversation. It was like beer, wine, food everywhere. It's just a wonderful time. And um, yeah, dude, it was uh, it was really really fun. So then Saturday comes along. Mm-hmm. So Saturday morning we get up early because I got to get to the show early, you know, because like I have to get my pass. Chris Campbell had to get his press pass, and uh, Julian needed to get his pass. So we get up, and we literally have to drive through Washington D.C. to go get Julian, and then hop back on the highway to get to Baltimore. So it's like about an hour trip altogether, which ain't bad. It's not bad at all. It's just, it goes real quick. 
this is the first time I've ever driven through or even been close to Washington, D.C., okay? Mm-hmm. So we're driving, and I'm like, wait a minute, that's the, that's the Washington Monument. Wait a minute, that's the state capitol. Wait a minute, that's the White House. What the fuck? This is amazing. You know, it, the buildings are just so massive, and the construction is just so beautiful. And it's, you know, and it's a weekend, Saturday morning, so the traffic isn't congested, and you can, like, see everything. It's like, wow, this is really beautiful. I was, just, I was amazed. Anyway, so we go pick up Julian, um, and we go, we get to the show on Saturday, line outside of the convention center going down the street. We get in, we get our passes. I go meet up with the Action Lab gang at our booth, and, you know, we have a booth, and we have, like, pretty much the whole gang was there. So it's like mm-hmm. me... Chad Saccone, Dave DeWanch, Colleen Boyd, our submissions editor, Brian, you know, Brian Seaton, Brian Seaton's uh, son-in-law, Morgan, who was a champ. This 12-year-old was a champ. I'm going to tell you stories of Morgan in a little bit. Um, <laughs> this kid was a champ. And, um, and like, you know, Jeremy Whitley from the writer of Princeless had his own, like, Fire Tower Studios table over on, the, over on the other side of the show. Well, anyway, show starts up. I mean, it's packed. You know, folks are like buying, you know, buying Action Lab books and all this other stuff. And we we're just busy, busy, busy. But we had enough people we could rotate in and out. So I could go and go look, talk with people and go do things and go see folks. And and then we were all able to do this. So we were able to go and like, you know, check out, you know, uh, independent creators or folks that we've known over the years that like, you know, possibly may want to collaborate, you know, with Action Lab and you know, shake hands and just see cool stuff. And, and like, but it was, a, it was a fantastic Saturday. I mean, we were busy the whole day. But the thing about it was, was that I didn't really do any shopping until I think like Sunday. But I didn't even do that much shopping, to be honest with you, because I was broke. But, um, but no, but the cool thing was, was that the, as far as like big names go, Neil Adams had his like tent Cause like it'll do. It, I'm oh, also, I know how he do. Yeah, he he rolls large, man. He rolls large. Only thing he did, did he have the sign that says first picture with Neil Adams free, first signature for Neil Adams free. Oh, ten dollars thereafter. Oh no, he was charging for signatures first one. Oh really? Yeah. See, in New York, he was doing. Uh, the first year I saw him in New York, it was it was uh, five dollars for any item you wanted signed or if you wanted to take a picture with them no and then it was the the next year was up to 10 and then i don't think a lot of people went up to them actually so (laughs) last year was uh the first item in picture free Mm, anything after that you had to pay um i had a friend come to the table and said that it was for like first signature was like x amount of bucks he's like no i'm not doing it so he did, he just opted not to go. But Neil Adams was there. Uh, Greg Capullo and uh, Scott Snyder they did a signing, and the line like whipped around. Oh, I believe it. And um, let's see. Oh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez was there. Oh. And I mean, just like a slew of people. You know, Jamal Igle was there. I got to rap with Jamal. I had to sit at his table for a while while he did a signing at the Action Lab table from from Molly Danger. We were giving away Molly Danger posters, and he would sign them for free. Oh, that's cool. And um, I mean, there were just like a slew of professionals there. I mean, a slew. I mean, a lot of big name folks. Uh, DiDio had a table. Dan DiDio had a table for a minute walking around and whatnot. Um, Valiant had... Yeah, dude. Uh, Valiant had a booth. They were giving out comics and selling books. Um, Just so many people. Like a boom... Boom Comics uh, were there. Boom Studios were there. Artists... And then the the way it was set up, vendors and like Artist Alley literally 
was like along the corner, the back corner, whipped all the way around, and then there was this big artist alley section as well. And the way traffic went on like the vendors and exhibitor side, <clears throat> it was amazing because the traffic flow was smooth. On the other side, artist, like where Artist Alley was, one side of it was great. Then there's this like blockade wall where they have like big name artists, and then on the other side of that wall are big name artists and the rest of Artist Alley. But it really fucks with your traffic. So right. it took a while for people to realize, oh, over that wall is more shit. So it took them a while for them to realize that. And once they did it, it kind of helped out a bit. Oh, Stan Lee was there too. I forgot. You know, of course he was. He, he was there. It's not, you know, I'm fully convinced if Stan Lee stops doing conventions, he's just going to cease to live. I think so too. <laughs> I, I think so too, dude. I really, I, I really, I really do. I think if he finally says, "Look, I'm not going to do this anymore," within a week, boom, he's gone. Yeah, no, I agree, dude. I agree wholeheartedly. And but um. But no, it was a fabulous show, and I know I'm missing out on like a lot of a lot of names, uh, a lot of big names that were there uh, at the show that weekend. But oh, there was also a booth that was selling Avengers cologne. Okay, I'm not, dude. I'm not lying. They had a cologne for every Avenger in the movie, plus a Loki type cologne and a Nick Fury cologne, and they all had like special names like Patriot. And so, you know, to me, it smelled like you know brute. All of them smelled like brute from like the eighties. And, and but <laughs> Dakar but, Noir. Oh, and and high karate. <laughs> but uh, but but no, uh, I mean, I, I shouldn't dog it. I mean, some of it did smell all right, but they were giving out stickers that said, said "Smell like an Avenger." So like Dave took one, took one of those stickers, nice big round sticker, and just like plopped it on his crotch of his pants. I can't imagine him doing it. <laughs> Not Dave. No. No. But uh no, like it also that that you know that show like on Saturday I walked over to I saw Dean Stall and I was like, "Hey Dean, what's up, man?" He was like doing like sketch cards. He was like doing mm-hmm. like these $5 sketch cards. I was like, "Yo, I'm give you something obscure obscure. Can you handle it?" He's like, "I got you." I was like, "Yo, Masters of the Universe Cyclone sketch card." He was like, "I got you." I got I got a uh, Cyclone Masters of the Universe sketch card. It was really cool. It's like one of my favorite characters. He's like the blue dude with like the uh, he like he's kind of like their version of Red Tornado. Then he spin around. Yes, like his figure the torso would spin yes, around. Yes, yes, yes. He was I'm trying to remember him. I only got bits and pieces in my head here. Yeah, he was he was essentially the Masters of the Universe version of Red Tornado. And I was like, yeah, dude, that's awesome. I was like, thank you. And also on that Saturday. I walked up to uh, Tressa Bowling. She's an artist. Um, you may know her from the Boku Pop podcast. Um, she's also from the Lexington area. Talented artist, immensely talented. And I was like, "Yo, Tressa," I was like, "I need, I need a." Uh, I, she she did like these uh, sketches that I can't remember the actual size, but they're they're nice size sketches. It's not like nine by twelve. It's not eight by eleven. It's smaller than eight by eleven, but you know they're they're beautiful sketches. And she used to do these ones called like she does these ones called sassy sketches, and she also does salty sketches. And um, a few months ago, I got like this uh, Wonder Woman. It's like a head sketch, and but she's just got this salty look on her face. Like I don't believe anything you're saying right now, and it's just so awesome. And I was like, listen, I need a vixen sassy, a vixen, a vixen sassy head sketch, and it's full color, dude. It is gorgeous. As a matter of fact, it was on. Um, if you go to my Twitter page. And mm-hmm. if you go, like, if you click on my profile and it will say, like, you know, and they'll have, like, have a couple pictures up there or whatever, it's on there and you can see it. It is gorgeous. I love it. 
absolutely positively love it. But no, that, that was like Saturday. That, that Saturday, Saturday for the show was just wonderful. It was a really good time. Like I said, there's a lot to do. I got to walk around a lot. I didn't, like I said, I didn't really buy anything that day. Um, but like there were a lot of comic book vendors and toy vendors. Toy vend- The toys were kind of overpriced. They had some nice shit, but it was overpriced. But anyway. Yeah. So then Saturday night, you know, we all get together, go to Pratt Street Ale House. That was okay. They fucked up all of our orders, so we're not going back there ever again. I saw that picture on Facebook in your little note. Yo, man, they jacked up all the orders. We never going back to that bitch ever again. <laughs> so, so then, like, Sunday, Sunday rolls around, and we're all ready. We're doing our thing. I got to see, you know, I got to see Erica Hesse, talk with Mike M. Bowden, who, is, who has been continuing the adventures of my original comic book series, Mercury and the Murd, under the Artery Comics banner. Um, nice. we, we got something special planned, myself and Mike, we got such, some, something special planned for it uh, next year. Um, be on the lookout for it. Very, very excited about that. Um, but he also gave me some issues of Mercury and the Murd. Like some of these issues, like they're single issues. If you didn't want to buy the volume two trade paperback, he put them out in single issues. Plus a couple issues that have, you know, that have never been printed before are now in print too. If you go to IndiePlanet.com. But he gave me a few of those issues. And like one was like a special Baltimore Comic-Con edition. And it looked mm-hmm. like the poster for Lethal Weapon. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, dude, it was like done by uh, like uh, bu- like uh, Ken Hazer and Buzz Hansen. It was pretty fucking awesome, dude. And he, you know, he gave me a couple of those. We talked for a little bit. Um, like I said, Jamal Igel was there. Um, I talked with Danielle Corsetto. I ain't seen her. In, I ain't seen her in a couple of years. I talked with her. And so then, like I said, Sundays rolling around doing doing our thing. And I said, you know what, man? I was like, there's a couple of things I got to do. And I brought a book with me. It was a uh, jail. It's called Jail A through Z, and it was like this, like late '90s, early 2000s version of Who's Who, but it was just Justice League stuff. So it was like Justice League members and Justice League villains, and it's you know nice, like little, um, like just full blown page of artwork with like an origin and whatnot. Well, a couple years ago, Adam Myrtle gave me a copy of it, and the issue had parallax in it. And it was drawn by Daryl Banks and inked by Wayne Falcher. So I went, and Daryl Banks was at Pittsburgh. This was years ago. And I walked over to Daryl, Mr. Banks, and I told him, you know, we talk, and I said, could you please sign this for me? He's like, yeah, I'd love to. And he remembered, he, he recalled doing this, you know, image. He was like, listen, Wayne Foucher is over on the other side of the show. He'll, he'll sign this for you. So I was like, oh, cool. So I went to go talk with Wayne Foucher. He inked it. I mean, he inked, he inked that, um, you know, piece that mm-hmm. uh, Banks drew. We talked for a few minutes. Really great guy. So I put it away. You know, I had it. I put it away. I was happy. So somebody told me, you know, Ron Mars is going to be at Baltimore. I was like, man, I got to get Ron Mars to sign this, <laughs> you know, on the inside, because it's not for, you know, this, you know, this is great for resale value. No, it's not that it's more of like a nostalgia thing for me, because when I started reading comic books again in the 90s, because like I got, you know, I was in it up until like when Image first showed up, I was real into it. Then I went away for a bit. Then I came back. And when I came back, it was around right before, like around near zero hour just going by like you know the dc standard or whatnot and right. and the first green lantern book i read was the kyle rayner green lantern it was the first issue with kyle rayner where he fought parallax so i walk up to ron mars table and i told him who i was i had my action lab shirt on and you know i told him what i was what i do and everything and i told him that um his book that he wrote, I was like, that run he did with Daryl Banks to this day is like one of my favorite runs of comics ever. You know, I also told him that he was also an inspiration, like, you know, him, Dwayne, Mc- Dwayne McDuffie, Dennis Cohen, Roger Stern, you know, all these cats, Christopher Priest, all these, all these people, you know, have made like a big, 
difference in my life and made me want to like create comics and help people create comics. And I just said, you were very, you know, you continue to be an inspiration to me. I was just wondering if you could sign the inside of this, um, you know, of, of this book because, you know, you helped create Parallax. So I have, you know, Mr. Banks' signature and I have Wayne Foucher's signature. Could I have yours? He was like, man, I'd love to. He was like, oh, I remember um, the, the day uh, Daryl Banks drew that, gave like a little story. And it was, it was just awesome. It was amazing. He shook my hand. He said, thank you. And it was really cool. And I was like stoked, dude. I was so happy. So happy. I was, I was like a kid on cloud, cloud nine that day. <laughs> you, you could tell me nothing. I, I was just happy. And so I put the book away and, um, you know, and went about my business. So then later that day, a friend of mine tells me, yo, you do, you do know Roger Stern is on the other side of Ron Mars, right? I was like, what? I was like, the Roger Stern. What? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. I was like, excuse me, I'll be back. So I left the booth, and I'm like, I, 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 need, I need an Avengers comic for him to sign. I need an Avengers comic for him to sign. There was an area, Donnie, nothing but old, old comic books from like the 70s and 80s and early 90s, eight comics for a dollar. Wow. And the books were in really good, pretty good shape, too. I mean, some of them were beat up, but for the most part, dude, eight books for a dollar, you really can't complain, okay? You can't. You can't complain. So I bought eight books, and one of them was Avengers issue 227, which was the very first Avengers book I recall reading that my mom let me buy, okay? And on the cover, it's like I got, it has uh, you know, Captain Marvel, Monica Rambeau. I just call her Captain Marvel because that's who she will always be to me. Fuck Photon. She's Captain Marvel. She's using her powers, and by using her powers, it splits the cover into four sections, and it says, like, see the new Captain Marvel tester power. See Henry Pym ponder his past because Henry Pym is in jail. And, and it says, see the wasp take a lunch. And she's taking lunch with uh, Reed Richards and, and, and Sue. And Sue or is it Sue Storm? Or she called herself Sue Richards at the time? I can't remember. I'd say Sue Storm. And they got those uh, 70s uh, Fantastic Four outfits on with the little four. Yep, yep. And on the other side, it says, see uh, She-Hulk strut her stuff as she's practicing showing her strength or whatnot all in color for six dimes that's what it says dude that's what it says and but this is the very first issue of avengers that i remember my mom let me buy and it was a roger stern issue and so i bought a couple other books too but he wrote that book for a very long time yeah oh yeah we yeah we talked about it during the our favorite avengers run episode episode so i walked over dude the person just left his table and i said mr stern i said my name is sean Pryor. it's nice to meet you and I said, you know, I just wanted to tell you, you know, I want to say thank you for your Avengers run during, you know, the 80s and the 70s and the 80s and whatnot, or I should say, just say the 80s, uh, mm-hmm. during, during the 80s. I was like, it meant a lot to me coming up. This was like this issue right here. And I showed it to him. I was like, this was the first Avengers book my mother let me buy. And, and after that, I couldn't stop reading it. And I bought every single issue. And I said, you know, I told him, I was like, he was an inspiration to me like those other gentlemen that I mentioned earlier. And I said, when I was a kid, coming up, every time I go to the comic book store, Avengers was sold out. And if I didn't have a pool list, I would not get Avengers. Avengers. So I gave you a nickname. I said, I used to call you Stern Money. Because every time I went to the store, your books were sold out. I was like, Stern Money done did it again. And he just started laughing. He was like, man, that's awesome. He's like, can I personalize this for you? And he signed it to Sean Best, Roger Stern, 9-9-2012. That's awesome. Dude, once he put it on the bottom, stern money. I wanted, I wanted him too. I wanted, I wanted, I wanted him too so bad. You don't understand. I wanted to put from stern money. I really wanted that, but it you know brought a smile to his face, brought a smile to my face, and I was like, man, 
this is the best fucking weekend ever. That's cool. And yeah, man. So, so like I said, I walked around, did see a lot of cool toys, did see a lot of cool comics and, and everything. The show was over and all of us as a group of us, the Action Lab family plus Julian Lytle and Chris Campbell because Julian handled the dinner arrangements for Sunday and we went to Philip Seafood. <laughs> Philip Seafood was so good. They had this like seafood soup. It was like a step away from being a religious experience, dog. Wow. Maybe it was because I was so hungry, but like it had like, you know, chunks of scallops and shrimp and fish and okra and tomato in this like broth. And it was, oh, it was so good. And then I had some mahi mahi with mashed potatoes and it was, it was slamming. Give you these big ass pieces of bread. You know, it ain't, it ain't, it, this ain't red lobster cheddar bread biscuits, people. It's like big ass pieces of bread with butter. Oh, it was just wonderful. We just all clowning, having a great time. You know, talking about the future of Action Lab, talking just talking about all types of stuff, and you know, and Julian set all that up. So I got to give props to Julian. Julian is now our event coordinator. Anytime <laughs> we do, anytime all of us do a show together, he is our event coordinator because he killed it that night. And that weekend, that weekend, I was introduced to two wonderful seasonings. Uh, one is now available in my in my hometown of Lexington: Old Bay seasoning and Phillips seasoning. Old Bay seasoning, imagine like the ultimate season salt. That is Old Bay seasoning. I need to put that on everything now. Everything. I don't care what it is. You got to throw some Old Bay seasoning on it. And I come back and like, and for, for like the longest time, that stuff was not available in our neighborhood. I go to Kroger's on Monday. They just put up a new shelf, new mini shelf, Old Bay seasoning. I grab like three of them motherfuckers. <laughs> and, and then at Phillips Seafood, when I, was having, when I was having my dinner, I asked them, I was like, do you have any Old Bay seasoning? And they're like, well, we don't have Old Bay, but we have our own version called Phillips seasoning. I was like, I'll take that, please. And it came in like this black can, looked like, Jack, looked like a Jack Daniels like bottle, but it was just like a black aluminum can, Phillips seasoning. I put that on my food, man, and it was just like a choir just started singing. It was, it was awesome. So, yeah, man, but it was such a wonderful time. But that whole weekend... Brian's his uh, his um, stepson, yeah, his stepson Morgan, twelve year old, great kid, hustled. He helped us all weekend. This dude had the appetite of a champion. Okay, dude is little dude is like as thin as a pole and can throw down some food. We go to the Pratt Street Ale House. He was like, yeah, I will take the buffalo wings. It came back with like this big ass plate full of buffalo wings. And Julian was like, man, you can't eat all them. He was like, oh, I can eat all of them, but I'm gonna save some for my daddy. <laughs> And he and like he he put down like ten wings in like twenty minutes, like pow. So then we go to uh, Phillips Seafood on Sunday night, and he said, I, "I want." It's like I can't I can't recall what it is, but if you if you if you're a big seafood fan, how they have like those big pots of seafood, and they just throw like the crab and like the lobster and the potatoes and everything. It's put in a big ass pot, and normally like if you're down south or somewhere, you just get a big ass thing of like. Uh, cardboard paper and you just dump it all and everybody just starts like eating it with their hands mm-hmm. he got like a, this, he, that's what he ordered and he didn't know what he was getting but then he got it and he was just like his eyes got all big he got excited and everybody was like man he can't finish it off Julian was like Morgan is a champ he can finish that he can do that he got that food man Julian was like I gotta take a picture of this Morgan grabbed like one of the crab leg crab legs and mm-hmm. like and like it looked like a Freddy Krueger hand and he just posed with it <laughs> And he tore that food up, man. It was awesome. It was, like I said before, it was one of the best weekends 
that um I've had in a very long time and it made me feel good it made me feel great about the future of Action Lab and and I myself and, and Dave Dave and Watch we did an interview for Comic Wow the Comic Wow Network um it's on their web it's on their website um that we did talking about Action Lab and it was it was, it was a lot of fun and and then this um other cat on Twitter, he goes by uh, Heck H E K seven eighteen. I forgot your name, brother. Now I do apologize. Um, he interviewed me per- like personally for a documentary he was doing about um, you know about the comic book business, uh, my- minority superheroes and comic books and all the types of stuff. And you know, we talked for a while. It was, you know, I met so many people. Like I said, f- you know, all, like a lot of folks through Twitter that I've talked to for like years. Like Devon Sanders, I met him face to face. We talked for a while. You know, what I mean, just to be able to do that for me it was just like a wonderful experience and you know i talked with people people gave me books i was like yo let me pay for this it's like no i got you i got you and i'm just like wow and like uh, josh or logan from plb comics gave me a stack of books i was talking with a friend of uh, tony fleece he gave me a copy of his book i think his name's chris Ryder. he's a writer it's called like dames in the atomic age this book is gorgeous um i went to the comics tribe table i bought a copy of scam number one met creator joe mulvey dude this book is awesome it's like usual suspects plus oceans 11 plus superpowers wow yeah dude it was hot it was it was off the hook all types of books all types of great stuff great weekend and saturday night this will be the last thing last thing i'll talk about saturday night we're leaving the show we drop off julian and chris is like yo Let's um let's roll by. This is nighttime. He's like, yo, let's pull over and roll by here for a second. I was like, all right, cool, man. Obviously, he's like, I was like, where are you taking me? He's like, you'll see. It's, it's it's tight. I was like, all right. It's nighttime. He pulls over. Dude, we walk over to the Lincoln Memorial on Saturday night, and it's quiet. Was it an ape? I kind of wish it was to uh, <laughs> so so it had been like that bad plan of the apes. Is Marky Mark standing in front of it? <laughs> no, nah, no, no, no. But um. <laughs> You, 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 All right, I'm sorry. No, I didn't mean to ruin your it, moment. It's Go okay, dude, dude. It's okay. It's because it's still funny because I did think about that, though. Seriously. I know you did. But the thing about it, when you see, like, the Lincoln Memorial on television, when you see it in a movie, yeah, it looks big. Yeah, it doesn't It doesn't do it justice, does not do it? it justice. I mean, you're walking up the steps to get to the Lincoln Memorial, and that's a good amount of steps, okay? And then you walk into the Lincoln Memorial, and you just see Lincoln there sitting in his chair and it's just the the scale and the scope of it it's just so massive and i was like blown away by it man i i expected like lincoln to get up out the chair and be like yo this is my crib yo coca-cola's over there in the corner um (laughs) yo you need some whiskey we got that too just chill want some bourbon yeah we got that go ahead go ahead get you some i mean it's just but it was so massive when we walked around the entire Lincoln, you know, Lincoln Memorial, and then you leave and you see the Washington Monument reflect off the, the lake, and you know, we did, walk- you, did you try and look for the secret passage between his legs? No, no, no. Like Nick Cage and John Voight? Did. No, no, no. Was but, that them or was that no, I think, American Dad? I don't remember. I, I can't Somebody remember. did that. Somebody did, but no. The one funny thing about that was, though, I was walking around, walking around the entire Lincoln Monument, like, you know, just looking at Lincoln, I was walked around toward the, the right side, and I was walking around the, the, the right side, I was walking, you know, on the floor, and I heard this <laughs> on one of on one of the um, tiles. So I walk back over it again, <laughs> and I walk around a little bit more, cross, you know, looking at all the things. But I walk back to that one spot. I kept hearing her. 
I was like, Chris, this is a national treasure moment right here. Somebody <laughs> needs to do something about this right now. We need to crack this open. He was like, man, come on, man. You quit clouding. I was like, all right, all right, all right. So anyway. So you know, then we walk through the veteran, like the, the you know the uh, veterans memorial. We walk through that. It's a very somber moment as well. And I believe that. And yeah. it was, dude, it was just beautiful. I mean, I like I said before, I've never been to Washington D.C. in my entire life. And if you go visit these things, you know, go visit these treasures. Do it at night. No loud kids. No, no screaming, no hustling, no, just nothing. It's just, it's quiet. I mean, the people that were there were just quiet and were just in awe of it all. I mean, it was so silent. It was just beautiful. And it was a great night, too. So that was my weekend at Baltimore, my friend. It was, it was absolutely wonderful. That sounds like a hell of a weekend. It was. I, I do want to hit that con. I want to do that and I want to do Heroes. You would like heroes. I and think that'd be right. What I want to do, but see, the thing of it is, is I, because of budgetary reasons, I would probably have to give up like New York mm-hmm. for like two years. Yes. Because <laughs> I'd have to, you know what I mean, airfare and all that nonsense. have questions yes i put out a feeler out there to the people asking if they had questions for the pkd black box podcast uh, drop us a line and myself and donnie will will we'll answer them and yes. we have some via twitter and we have some via facebook and i have the twitter feed up donnie has the facebook feed up yeah i actually got i was looking at my phone and i actually have one question from twitter that's directed to me from matt's matt's view Mayotte's Mayotte's. i know who it's from yeah and you want to? Do you want me to hit that one first? Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Okay, it's a, it's two questions. And uh, it's how is it working with a multimedia diva like Daryl? Um, actually, the past few weeks haven't been that bad. Mostly because he's been doing other things. He was at Baltimore one weekend. He was at uh, Wild Pig this past weekend. You know, past two weeks have been pretty good. Uh, <laughs> and does he still need a sippy cup and a nap? Yes, he does more than you'll ever know go ahead shoot all your right. turn. all right my turn i will take it to the twitter feed and first questions from jay tomio and what he wants to know is hawk duke or flint hawk duke or flint i'm gonna go with hawk because he's the og um i'll have to go with hawk as, as well for the simple fact the only reason i go with hawk is because i remember watching the cartoon when i started watching you know duke was the dude then hawk came in and I always loved Hawk's voice in the cartoon because it was kind of like this new age, like Robert Stack slash Robert Vaughn type voice. And I always dug that. And as a kid, I didn't like Flint. I got older. I started to like Flint a little bit more. I always thought Flint was like a generic version of Duke as a kid. But when I got older, I had a better appreciation of him. However, the one thing I've always loved about Flint sometimes is that he could be the biggest asshole. (laughs) And and in yep. and I think it was the uh, Rise Serpentor Rise uh, miniseries, and because Martheus always brings this to my attention and I always make him recall it because he knows the lines to a T. Beachhead didn't like how things was going down, and you know he's like, "We well, need to do this, we need to do that," and like Flint was like, "Wait a minute, I don't think you understand the line of command here." He was like, first it's Hawk, then Duke, then me, then you," <laughs> and Beachhead was like, "Huh." Maybe that change one day. And I'm like, Flint, why you got to be an asshole and point out who's in charge? Because people in charge love to point out who's in charge. 
That's exactly what it is. Yeah, man. Shit was hilarious. But I love that. I I, try, I truly love that. But no, I got to go with Hawk. Hawk was my dude, too. Um, yeah. And I like in the original, the Marvel G.I. Joe series, he started off as a blonde, but towards the end there, all of a sudden he was like, I don't know, he went and bought hair uh, hair club for men mm-hmm. or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he came out with like a, like a, a Burt Reynolds black. Yeah, man. Next question uh, comes from Luke Foster. He wants to know, why does Daryl hate fun and freedom? Because he's a communist. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that, but it's true. He, uh, he's got a, I've been to his house. Huge red flag. Uh, Daryl's going to kill you. What? <laughs> he's going to kill you. No, I think, see, it's not that Daryl hates fun and freedom. It's just that, you know, Daryl had a rough childhood. And 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 because of that, it reflects on. I'm sorry, but all of a sudden, Sean just turned into Doctor Phil. <laughs> but what happened is Daryl had a rough childhood. You know what I'm saying? You hear me? Now, now see, you can't have 25 cents and only have 24 pennies. We'll it try. doesn't work that way. <laughs> I don't understand what the fuck that dude is ever talking about. That's why I don't watch that shit. But anyway, I think he had a rough childhood, and I think it now reflects on his abilities for the job that he has in his life and the money that he makes. He's trying to reclaim all of his childhood. And in doing so, he's taking the things that probably scarred him as a child, like Muppets, and he lashes out on them by posting pictures on people's Facebook pages of of dead Muppets. Now, I don't know why he does that, I mean, I sometimes I just think the brother needs a hug and a cookie, but I don't I don't know, man. I mean, I don't think he hates fun and freedom. It's just I think he's really trying to learn how to love himself. And once he learns how to love himself, then he then he won't hate fun and and freedom as much. That's why I send him like pictures of Kermit through my cell phone. You you know what I'm saying? I mean, you got to do that sometimes. You got to show the brother love. So you know what? What I need the people to do right now, if you are friends with Daryl, I need you to go and put like a Muppet on his Facebook page. I need you to do that because you need to show this brother love. You know, I look, I, <laughs> look, I love Daryl. All right, yeah, we we fuck with each other all the time. All right, we pick on each other all the time. It's what we do. It's, it's, it's just like you know, big brother. It's just like a brother 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 relationship. That's all it is. But show the brother some love. Put some up as on his Facebook page. Tell him how much you love him. Tell him how much you know. Thank him for what he does. I mean, and yeah, show him some love. So yeah, there you go. I'm gonna get in trouble. I still think it's because he's a communist, but go ahead. What's the next question? The next question is from John Carroll, host of the Carroll Chronicles, and uh, you know he free any frequents on uh, the PKD Black Box from time to time. He said, "Yeah, why can't me or Daryl be on?" Well, I, I, I you know only put Daryl on on special occasions now because I don't know how Daryl's going to act. Daryl's in New Jersey right now. Yeah, so. yeah. So he he can't be on right now. Now, John. Now you know, like I know, we got conflicting work schedules. Now, brother, maybe I need to get a hold of you earlier, earlier ahead of time, and we can work it out. We're gonna have you back on the show again anyway, because we gotta do a '90s episode. So there you go. Next question is from is from Mark Johnson. Uh, he says, "Why do you hate me, Sean?" Mark, I don't hate you. What happened was, long story short, we recorded an episode where we talked about every Star Trek movie, and we had so many recording issues with it, like with Skype going out, the internet blowing up. It just didn't happen. So we're going to try to do it again, schedule permitting. I'm behind on a lot of things. I'm trying to get caught back up. So just be patient with me, brother. I am going to get back to you. I have not forgot about you, and I do not hate you. So there you go. To which then uh, Nuggy99 from Twitter replied, Mark, everyone hates you. <laughs> but no, we all love you, dude. It's all good. 
Okay, we love you. I don't even know who this is. It's okay. It's, it's okay. <laughs> Do I know him? No, I don't, I don't think you know him personally, no. This is an actual question question. This is a good one. This is from, from our good buddy, John. Okay. John wants to know, if you could add five action stars to Expendables 3, who would it be and why? Um, all right, five? Wow, that's a yes. lot of people, man. Because, I mean, just about every freaking um, action star was in the last one, for crying out loud. So... All right, I'd put in Seagal because they need, as a fellow fat man, I think there should be a fat action hero, so I'll throw it in Seagal. <laughs> okay. How about, what's her name from um, Haywire? Oh, I'm um, talking about... Um, Gina Carano. Is that Gina, Gina Carano. Carano. Yes, Gina Carano, yes. Am I wrong? You're not wrong, you're right. Okay. All right, so that's two. I put her in there. She can't really act all that good, but she... I think she's I think she's a decent actress, dude. I, I don't think... She whooped the shit out of Magneto. She sure did. Haywire is a great movie. It's a crazy move. It's crazy. Jackie Chan. Okay. I know he won't do it, but I'd still, if I could do it, I'd put him in there. Jackie yeah. Chan. Jim Kelly. Yes. And it's a toss-up between uh, Fred Williams. Uh, you mean Fred and, Williamson? Uh, Richard Roundtree. Okay. So either Shaft or uh, or uh, who, was, who was the cat that Fred Williamson played? Black Caesar? Oh, uh, I don't it, I don't remember. He was uh, a... There he is. Fred Williamson. Uh, Because he was pretty badass from Dust Till Dawn, if Mm. you remember that. Yeah, I do remember that, yes. Uh, Let's see. What was his big one? I think his very first job. Let's go all the way down to 1968. He was in Ironside. That's not what I was talking about. I didn't know he was in MASH. For like an episode. he was in MASH? For like an episode. Hell Up in Harlem? Yes. Bucktown? No, he wasn't in... Uh, Jim Brown was in Dirty Dozen. That's who it was, Jim Brown, yeah. Who wouldn't be a bad one for Expendables either, but I don't know. Yeah, okay, so I'd go, I'd go with that. Okay, What's cool. yours? My five are, I had Gina Carano on my list, Donnie Yen, Wesley Snipes. Who was the second one? Donnie Yen. Uh, he's, uh, Donnie Yen, I don't know if you ever saw a movie years ago called, called Iron Monkey. Donnie Yen overseas is a fucking superstar. I got you. I know who he is. Okay, yeah. These, Donnie Yen's amazing. He gets no love in the United States. Um, but yeah, Gina Carano, Donnie Yen, Wesley Snipes, Michael Jai White, who people sleep on. Oh, that's true, too. Yeah, you're right. He Black can Dynamite scrap. himself. He can... What would you say? I'm sorry. I said Black Dynamite himself. Yeah, Black Dynamite. Yeah, but he can really scrap. And he can, I know. He can actually scrap. That dude is amazing. And let's see. That's four. And my fifth is a dude you're gonna laugh at me when I say this but I don't give a fuck cause this motherfucker is a hell, hell of a martial artist and now he does MMA in the real in the real world Jason David Frank yes the motherfucking green Power Ranger from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers that motherfucker is the real fucking deal dude so uh, See, I didn't go with Wesley Snipes because I know they're going after him for the third one so I stayed away from the people they were going after oh they're actually the going one. for Wesley Snipes for the third one? Oh, I did not know that that's pretty funny yeah they're cool. going after him Harrison Ford Wesley Snipes Harrison Ford I heard they were going Nicholas ahead. Cage, Clint Eastwood. Clint would be that would just just have him show up for like ten seconds with like this big ass freaking uh, magnum and just shoot somebody. Mm-mm. That's all he's got to do. Get off my lawn. <laughs>
those were all my tw- all of the Twitter questions. Let's uh, move on to the Facebook questions. All right, on the Facebook, Keith W. Cunningham says, "Where do babies come from?" Um, you know what, Donnie, I'm gonna give that to you. Oprah Winfrey's vagina. <laughs> Dale Taylor asks, "Why do constantly treat Daryl Taylor so bad?" <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, now what I did is I helped Daryl out. Because as we know, Daryl's Facebook grammar is just atrocious. So I posted later on, I said, Daryl, I think you mean to ask, why does Sean treat Daryl so bad? You're welcome. Yes, you did. Um, I, uh, so answer that. Why do you treat Daryl so bad? <laughs> Daryl, I don't treat you bad. You put this on yourself. Like I said before, once you learn how to love yourself, you can love others and stop being so hateful and learn how to share the boneless barbecue buffalo wings. I, I'm just saying. You got to learn. It starts from within. Now go outside and mow that three feet of lawn you got and quit hiring. Six feet. Come on. Give the guy credit. All right. I'll give him six. Mow that six feet of lawn you got and smile. Do you know, after he listened to that episode, all of a sudden I just got a text all in capital letters going, I got more than six feet of lawn. (laughs) Dude, he posted it on my Facebook page. (laughs) Uh, like even even a couple people you know a couple folks that listen to the show was like yeah that's about six feet it may might be about six feet like you got a you got a landscaper to come out with a pair of scissors and cut your lawn be ashamed of yourself get out there and cut that lawn boy cut that lawn cut that lawn okay go ahead with the next question all right Keith W Cunningham asked where do Daryl's come from um I heard they come from Mordor but um. I really don't know. I mean, because there's like a lot of hate in Mordor last time I checked. They come from. Where do they come from, sir? Jim Henson Studios. <laughs> that's why That's why Daryl hates the Muppets. Daryl is the forgotten Muppet. That is. That is, that is Daryl's that, the one that they cast aside. Yes. And he woke up with a hand up his ass and said, <laughs> <laughs> he said, from this day forward, it is war against the Muppets. War, I say. And Daryl probably still wants to. He still wants to know where his royalties are for the na 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 song. All right, so that'll cover it. So Daryl is a. Uh, he's from uh, Jim Henson Studios and from Mordor. From what I hear, this is just rumors. Daryl's the one that gave him the cold. Oh, oh. no, that, that's me, man. That's me. Too soon. Too soon. Too I'm soon. sorry. Too soon. Right. Just a joke, people. <laughs> Moving on, sir. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> That's Sean's equivalent of get off the stage. <laughs> um, right about now. Angel says, what are you reading? He has two questions. What are you reading right now? What I'm reading right now, honestly, um, I'm reading Scam from Comics Tribe. Uh, Scam, like I said before, is a combination to me of The Usual Suspects and Ocean's Eleven with superpowers. Um, It is written and drawn by Joe Mulvey, and it also has uh, colors by Andrew Crossley with color assist by John Ursick and Jules Rivera, and is lettered by Ann World Design, a.k.a. Deron Bennett. It is a fantastic comic. I have the first issue. It was double-sized. It was worth every penny. And if you don't have it, you should go get it because it's worth it. That is what I'm currently reading right now. A lot of the books I read, I'm always years behind. Right, right. Especially since like trying to publish books, always years behind. Seldom in my own time. 
um, with current books. You know, I could buy like like unless I buy the book right then and there and force myself to read it, it's not going to get read for a while. But right now, it's Scam and Usagi Yojimbo and 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 Archie Comics Mega Man. That's really it for me right now. That is it. Um, wow. And what's what's the second question? I mean, you can answer it too. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. Please answer. Please. Um, all right, I have a real long. I read a lot of monthly comics, but I'll give you just some of my favorite ones that I'm reading right now. I uh, the Batman line of books are great. Uh, from Image, I read uh, Revival, Hoax Hunters, Angel and Faith from Dark Horse is awesome. Uh, Marvel, Dan Slott's Amazing Spider-Man has been one of the best runs on Amazing Spider-Man, dude, in in years, if not decades. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. That dude was born to write Spider-Man. Uh, so that's just a couple, that's just a few quick books. I get uh, 12 to 15 pounds of comics dropped to my doorstep once a month, so I read a lot of shit. <laughs> I really do. Uh, who's your favorite artist and why is the second question. I'll let, I'll let you start first. Well, it's obvious for everybody. Anybody who ever knows, uh, it's George Perez. Uh, George Perez is the first artist. Number one, first comic book I ever bought was uh, New Teen Titans. He was the artist. Well, he's the first artist that I actually started to follow because I would have to say it's just his detail. His detail and the way he draws emotion. Because I remember like he would just do like close up of like Donna Troy's eyes and stuff and you would your heart would just break. You're like, this bitch is she's sad. <laughs> He's a phenomenal I mean always has been and um, always will be my favorite artist. And right. I and I got to meet him and I scared him a little bit, I think. And uh there you go. And then um, he's coming to New York this year. So if I go to New York, I will be looking for him, definitely. So that is my favorite artist, and that's why. Go. Is there a bird in your house? I'm, <laughs> you, dude, that's uh, that's a bird next door, actually. I have my windows open because it's such a great day. My neighbors in my, in my neighborhood, dude, the one on the left and the one on the right, their whole backyard is like bird feeders for fuck's sake. <laughs> so like we have everything from blue jays to cardinals to fucking pigeons just hanging out. So I'm like, when did Donnie invest in birds? Yeah, Donnie wouldn't. I bet bird was angry. <laughs> <laughs> um my my favorite artist, man, that is going to be a very difficult question for me to answer. Uh, over the years I've seen I mean, there've been a lot of artists that that I feel are very influential as far as how I'm able to try to, you know, attempt to write stories and whatnot. But the one to this day that still sticks out to me most, Mike Zek. Oh, wow. My, I got to go. I, I give it to Mike Zek. I mean, yo, he gave me fly G.I. Joe covers. He sure did. Those are to this day still some of the most iconic and copied covers in in the history of comics there's a lot of cats that copy them covers dog you know i mean honestly i mean some to pay homage some you know to tribute but those are some heavily copied comic covers but i mean i mean when you see a mike zek when you see a mike zek cover or or mike zek pencils you know that's mike zek you sure do it's not kind of like burn too like you you know that's burn yeah as soon as you see the cover of the pencils you know that's that's there's not a shadow of a doubt that's john burn yeah but Mike Zek was Mike Zek is my dude. I mean, I, as as a kid, I would just like trace trace his artwork. 
in between him and like Luke McDonald, Mark Bright, and and Ron Wilson, just to like just trace their artwork as a kid, just trying to like mimic it and learn it. But dude, Mike Zick was the reason I read Cap. Yep. He, yep. he, he was Marvel the, Superhero Secret Wars. Oh yeah, dude, come on, man, come on. That was the only. That was the like one of the main. Well, another reason besides the fact that that was such a cool concept as a kid. Um, you know, basically, it was Challenge of the Super Friends in outer space. But how about uh, how about uh, Craven's Last Hunt? Yeah, man, that was a good one too. That was a good one too. But yeah, I, I got to give it to I got to give it to Mike Zek. That's who I'll give it to. And and I'm sure it will change the next time somebody asks me that question because it's always the door is always you know open to somebody else constantly. But the one right now I can visually say hits me hard is Mike Zek. Now, Daryl asks an actual question. Uh, what do you think is wrong with Marvel and DC Comics? I could go first if you want. Please. Okay. What's wrong with DC Comics right now is the fact that they did this big, huge 52 relaunch. Now, I've been reading DC Comics for 30 years, and they've relaunched their line a lot. And I'm going to tell you exactly what, what what's wrong with it. And the fact is that they are 90% gung-ho, all their ducks in a row. Let's go to press. And then six months later, that last 10% bites them in the ass. And then they have all these continuity questions and this, that, and the other thing. Um, and they keep switching creative teams a lot, which, I mean a lot, which sours a lot of people on books. Uh, especially lately. Like, almost every day you look up some news about DC and it's like, so-and-so's leaving this book and so-and-so's taking it over. Almost every day. Uh, what's wrong with Marvel, I think, is uh, Marvel, a lot of their events are kind of, they start off pretty good and then go bleh. Uh, also, their books are a dollar more. A lot of their books are a dollar more. And for me, a big problem is their double shipping. I'm not going to pay three ninety nine twice a month just to read the adventures of so-and-so. Especially when you don't tell me it's twice a month. Like when Spider-Man started, they canceled all the Spider-Man titles. They said, we're going to give you Spider-Man three times a month because we canceled those titles. I was buying those titles, so you know what? It didn't hurt me. You know? But I wound up dropping the entire X line because of double shipping. The entire thing. I was getting every book. And then one month I was doing my order on DCBS. Uh, two X-Men Legacy, two New Mutants, two X-Force, two X-Factor, two Uncanny X-Men. How do you expect somebody with a budget to buy all those books and pay all that money? I mean, even at a discount on DCBS, you still can't afford it. Right. You know, and still get the other books that you enjoy reading. So I think Marvel's big thing is the twice a month. Which is why Marvel now is coming out, and I don't. I could care less because I looked up, and half those books are double shipping. Half of those books are double shipping. So, I'm not going to pay, you know, eight dollars a month to see what's up with Cap, or eight dollars a month to see what's up with Iron Man. I'm not going to do it. I don't care. And to me, it just feels like a money grab. 
yeah, you know, yeah. there's no reason why they have to relaunch their their entire. I mean, I can see why you could change all these creators, make a big deal about it, change all these creators, man, all these new ideas. That's great. Why do you have to start with a new number one? Because number one sell better. That's why. That's the only reason why. So I think for me, what shoots Marvel in the ass is their double shipping, and uh, half their line is two ninety nine, the other half is three ninety nine, uh, and depending on the popularity of the characters or the title. If it's a popular title, you're paying four bucks a month for it. If it's a mediocre title, eh, we'll sell it to you for three. I just don't like it. Here's my take. I think the biggest problem right now with with the bigger publishers, some of them, not all of them, but some of them, they have a hard time trying to give show to show people what the, their identity is. Okay. Like, if you went to DC, I just think there's no identity. There's no, like, one true vision. Okay, we're just trying to do this, we're trying to do that. There's no identity. And so that's why you have, at times, DC throwing all these things against the wall and see what sticks. And Marvel, they do the same thing sometimes. They'll just throw a bunch of stuff against the wall and see what sticks. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Marvel became very event-heavy um, after uh, Civil War. For me, from from what from you know from my memory, they went event heavy, and everything was an event. Even if it wasn't an event, it was an event. I think people got. I think some of the general public got tired of it. There are people that continue that continued to feed off of it, but for the most part, people got tired of it. Um, with DC, you know, once Warner Brothers realized, hey, there are over X amount of hundred of intellectual properties that DC Comics has that we can actually do something with, and the change from DC Comics to DC Entertainment. And the whole new fifty two there was never there may have been an actual vision or goal for it, but somewhere along the line, it just got messed up all right and and ever since then it's just been let's just throw this stuff it's it comes off as let's throw this stuff against the wall, let's see what works. let's constantly adjust these um creative teams let's constantly do this, let's constantly do that, and it becomes a mess I mean so much of a mess that you got Rob Liefeld putting DC Comics on full blast. You have books that I wanted to love just be goddamn awful. Um, Static Shock, Mr. Terrific. I wanted those books to be great. Static Shock got better toward the end because they finally put the right writer on the book, but they decided to fucking cancel the book. It was too late. Mr. Terrific had a great writer, but it had a bad art team. It had an art team that didn't fit the book, okay? Mm-hmm. And when and when like a dude couldn't hit a certain deadline, they had to come in and like bring somebody else to hurry up and get the book done. You know, and I applaud them for trying to get books out on time. That I applaud. I, I don't I don't mind that. But it's something just really seems out of place, out of function, and out of order with DC right now. And it makes it difficult for some to enjoy the books. Like to me, when they say, you know, all the other stuff, all the stuff from like the last thirty years doesn't matter. I'm like, no, it, it still exists. They're like, it doesn't exist anymore. I'm like, yeah, it exists. The book has been printed, hence it exists, so you can go read it. This is just somebody else's different take on it. Do I think a lot of the books are good? No. It's, it's the same with Marvel. I don't think a lot of their books are really good right now. There's nothing really like hot to me. Nothing really jumping off. The Slot Spidey, Slot Spidey is cool. I don't have no beef with Slot. The Slot Spidey. No, that's, is, a, that's a it's my favorite Marvel book. You know, it, it's one of the it's one of the few fun books that are out there. And like in with Spidey, in all generations of Spidey has some fun with some gloom, some fun, there's some gloom. You know, because Peter Parker is just can't win. Right. Okay, that's just the way his character's set up. He just can't win. He always gets clowned on. But everything is so damn dark 
I'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm tired of that. You know what I'm saying? You can have your dark books if you want, but give me some give me some fun, man. Come on, give me some fun. Why do you think I go read Mega Man every month? Exactly. You know what I mean? If you if you mix it up, if you mix it up, I can enjoy it more. But like this shit is just it's, it's, I get bored when people constantly try to write comic books like they're fucking FX shows. <laughs> I, I, I do. I'm like, I yeah. got you. you. You know, I mean, it's all right to do that for some books. You can't do that across the line. It gets tired. That is one of the biggest issues with I think with bigger publishers right now. It's like it's just this straight straight board dictate across the line. This is the way it's got to be, and it's it's boring. Bring some you know bring some creativity back to these books. You know what I mean? Don't let don't let like a, a cross. Well, you know what it is? Is that it's basically what you're saying? Like the storytelling wise, is it has worked for so many years that they're actually afraid of trying to do something different. I, I, and that's why I do like Spider-Man because it is that it's the everyman book, you know? Yeah, man. Because some things in Peter's life are going great, but you know what? Turn the page. Oh, just went to shit. Just like real life does, dude. <laughs> yeah, you dude. know what I mean? Yeah, man. Yeah, he, he's, the, he's the Charlie Brown of comics. Yeah, he, he sure is. Of comic books, I mean. He, the brother just can't catch a break. But yeah, like, but like editor, editorial across the board mandates sometimes, in my personal opinion, hurt some of these books. And then, you know, and I, I don't wish no ill will toward these cats. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't wish no ill will. I just want fun, quality books. And you can also have your dark matter books as well, too. Sure. Th- those can exist, too. You can have those, too. But mix it up a little bit. Because I'm going to tell you something. Like, Don, Donnie sent me, a, a, like, a, a ton of books last month all across the board from, like, the 80s, the 90s, you know, the aughts. All, all this stuff, okay? So I got like a good mix of everything. Dude, I started reading Dark Rain and, and like Siege. I got fucking depressed. <laughs> I, I mean, I literally, I had to go stop and I, I had to go stop and like stop reading them. I literally had to stop, go upstairs and watch regular show for two hours so I could be happy again. I mean, like, once again, it would be different if something like that happened once every few years. But they just hit this norm. Here's the event. Here's what spawned off after the event. The event really didn't end, but it curtails into this new event, and it just it just got old to me. Exactly. Let, let cats, exactly what happened. Let cats tell stories again. Let them tell stories. I don't care if it's a one and done. I don't care if it's a two-parter. Let these cats tell stories again. And some are still able to tell stories again because of their name, but not everybody. So. And that that's another thing, too. Like, you just hit it on the head. Uh, one and done one and done stories don't really exist anymore and if they do then they have to make them like a uh, uh, some kind of special you know what I mean like they can't just be issue six it's got to be you know some kind of they're they're very rare Um, that's why like DC was doing these national comics issues and like the first one was about um, uh, Kid Eternity and it was like their new take on Kid Eternity. The one I have in my pow- uh, my pile now is about the Looker from oh, The nice. Outsider. Yeah, 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 nice. And it's reintroducing her into the into the universe. And I think those are kind of cool because there's just one stories about it, it, one story about an interesting character. Oh, and by the way, the the uh, Tales from the Attic, uh, Archie meets Kiss uh, marathon was fabulous. Thank you, sir. Um, that was a, it. Was a hit. People loved it. 
um, and people love your imitation of Jughead. <laughs> As Trong? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's awesome, dude. It's awesome. Yeah, we, we got about like nine more questions here. Yes, go ahead, Chief. Hit it. Uh, let's see. Angel also asks, why do my nibbles hurt when I twist them? Uh, Angel, it's because you're twisting them. Agreed. That's why. So stop it. Yes, so don't do that anymore. Does it hurt when you do that? Then don't do that. Uh, Jim Deeds asked, Jim Deeds, Legion of Dudes, and Nothing's On podcast asked, uh, why do you always have Donnie on by himself at the end of the show? I do a podcast with him, and I've always found his hygiene to be totally acceptable. Well, thank you, Jim. Why do you always throw me out? Why am I always ass and Charlie? Well, on this episode, you won't be ass and Charlie. You'll be on at the beginning the whole for the whole show. Yeah, well, that's, that's one episode. People have asked a question, Sean, and they want an answer. Because, listen, Donnie, you are the closer. You are the clo- You are the man of the town. <laughs> All right, enough. All right. All right. I'm no, I've been around show business to know when I go long enough to know I've got freaking smoke being blown up my I'm ass. Not blowing, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, dude. All right, I'm not. I'm just telling you. Listen, Donnie, you're funny. I've always I've I've said that since the time I first met you. You're you funny. You sounded like an agent right there. You're like Donnie, babe. Listen, all right, listen. Okay, you're the closer. You're the headliner. This is you're the one that people come to see, babe. This yeah. is it. This is the reason why. What do you want? Another fresca? Sit down, relax. I'll get you a fresca. We'll talk about it. Why you gotta talk about Fresca? <laughs> Why you gotta talk about Fresca? I fucking hate Fresca. Shit's terrible. What? Fresca is terrible. Fresca is. Uh, can awful. we can we keep going on? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, John wants to know when will Tyrone come on the show? Ladies and gentlemen, Tyrone will never. Tyrone is on the show right now. Let me explain. Let me explain the situation for the for those that don't follow me on Facebook. The job I work. I, you know, I fix computers daily for a living, and the, the area that I work, sometimes people confuse me with another brother that works in a different department under the same, under the, oh, I'm sorry, a different branch under the same department, does not work on the computers for a living. He helps the kids, okay? Brother's name is Tyrone, but because he's tall and wears glasses, and I'm tall and I wear glasses, Sometimes people call me Tyrone. I've been with this department for over two years. <laughs> and you would think by now they would know the difference between Tyrone and Sean. And yet it continues to happen. So much so that I think that Tyrone and yours truly may do a PSA and put it on YouTube. Um, but that might get me fired. But no, uh, so no. Tyrone himself, the real Tyrone, will not be on the show, but Tyrone number two is on the show right now talking to you. So there's that. I don't know if you know this about me, Joe Rogan, when I smoke rocks. <laughs> You're crazy, Joe Rogan. <laughs> You're crazy. <laughs> go, go. I'm sleeping here all day, Joe Rogan. <laughs> What's the next question, man? Uh, Jim Dietz asks, Dana Dane versus Cool Modi. You first. Cool Modi. I agree. I think Kumo D had a better track record. I think Dana Dane had a cool voice, but um, Cinderfella and uh, Rolling with Dana Dane are like the only two songs I truly remember from Dana Dane. But Kumo D had I Go to Work and They Want Money. And, wild Wild West. And wild Wild West. And he, he had a hook like that. Wild yeah. Wild West. Where you just hear that song once. Like people just heard me do that right now, and all day long they're going to be going, Wild Wild West. Yeah, yeah. You know how you like me now, and yep. he, 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 so I gotta go with Kumo D. Kumo D for me too. Unanimous. Martheus Wade 
Yes. When is the Power Ranger episode? December. We will record it in November. Um, once again, life, life schedule. Uh, you know, sometimes you know, life takes you know takes you know higher priority than the podcast and i'm trying to get all that organized so we'll record it in november hopefully aired in december there you go there you go um okay he also asked have you ever given someone a soap party like on full metal jacket i haven't i've had that happen to me once during uh, day camp are you serious yeah man yeah when i was like 11 years old it happened one time i got revenge <laughs> don't don't you worry. I got payback. Um, but yeah, that did happen to me once. Wow. Yeah. Um, my attorney says I can con- can not confirm nor deny anything that has to do with anything that has to do with one of those. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, dude, it's all good. It, you know, it, it's all good. It wasn't like it was like fifteen people with soap bars. It was like two kids. They got me. They, they tagged me a couple times, and I, I, I tagged them back. I tagged them back. It was all good. Go ahead. Next question. Uh, Daniel Kernan asks, which pop culture franchises would you want to put together for the ultimate crossover story? Okay, I would put together, like off the top of my head, I would put together G.I. Joe, Mobile Armor Strike Command together for a two-issue two miniseries, and they would be double-sized issues, and you would get G.I. Joe, Mask, Venom, and Cobra together. Didn't they do that? I don't know if they did that, dude. Yeah, because there's a masked G.I. Joe figure. Yo, didn't they, didn't yeah. they blend those two universes yo, they, together? They, well, for the toy, they did, but they never did it in the actual <laughs> All right, comic don't get book. mad. I just I'm, not, I'm not getting mad. I'm just trying to tell you. They never did you this in the comic like, book. You were like, maybe for the toy they did. But they <laughs> I'm sorry I pulled a Daryl. I'm sorry I got mad at you. I didn't mean to. I'm just trying to tell you that in the comic book, they've never done this, and it could be hot. You know, it, it, I mean, there are other ones, too, but off the top of my head... I have to do that. Otherwise, I do something like you know, put Space Ghost and um, do something crazy like put Space Ghost and Black Dynamite together. I have others, but like off the top of my head, that's all I can think of. Wow! Usually, my first, my number one thing is to go uh, with uh, GI Joe and something, <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. Or Star Wars and something. I want to try and uh, I'm trying to think of. Uh, I'm a huge Batman guy. But they have had him cross over with a lot of different franchises like Aliens, Predator, Judge Dredd, Daredevil, Punisher. So, uh, Jesus Christmas. Damn, Daniel. <laughs> you, done, you done stumped Donnie. Although I would also do a, uh, a, a Gachaman, which is also Battle of the Planets in the United States. I would do a Gachaman. Um, Power Rangers Zeo team up too. That would be hot. I'd, I'd do that. That would be pretty dope. I, I'd have to give a give a pat, give a qualifier on that, or maybe, or better yet, no, Speed Racer and Mask. That would be hot too. That would be really cool. I, I, I would dig that. Donnie's just shaking his head like this motherfucker's and lost his fucking mind. Or um, or you could combine. They already did a He-Man Thundercats, so you can't really you can't really did that. They did that did that in a comic book. Or better yet, you know, I'm really surprised. I'm really surprised that, like, some of these toy manufacturers that own the rights to, like, you know, say, for instance, He-Man and all this stuff haven't come up with the idea to do an actual animated event or comic book event that puts them all in one universe and sells that entire fucking toy line. 
I, I'm, I'm really surprised nobody's done that yet. But but yeah, those are mine. All right, maybe maybe a hack slash Buffy the Vampire friend uh, crossover would be kind of cool. Yes. I mean, as a comic book, you know. Oh, but of course. Um, I think that would be pretty dope. That's a good. That's all I got right now. You went outside. You the really box. stumped me. Oh, that's all right. You went outside you got the box, me. though. You found one, though. You, you got me, Daniel. You so and so. You. <laughs> we got all right. We got one question. Last now. question. All right. From Jim Dietz, a gang. Name your three top monthly comic titles. You first, sir. Your top of the stacks. Uh, I would probably say Spider-Man, Batman, and uh, do 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 do. Trying to spread it out here. And Revival is awesome. Okay. Like Revival, I, I it's a newer book, and it's like. Right after I read the issue, I can't wait for the next one. And I'm like, what the hell is going to happen next? Mike Norton and Tim Seeley have outdone themselves with this book. Nice. Um, I, because I don't really read books consistently on a monthly basis, the only monthly I could tell you is like Mega Man. That's really it. Um, everything else is bought inconsistently or, or great friends and family like Donnie Salvo send me books. That, that's, that's honestly it. All right, his second question is, and your casting choice for Star-Lord in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Nathan Fillion. Okay, that's that's, that's fine. That's fine. I said it. No, you said it. You called it. Go ahead. Who do you want? Who do you want? <sighs> Dude, I really don't know. Um, I mean, I like. I know a lot of people love Nathan Fillion, and I think that's, that's a good choice because I know how many people were salty when Nathan Fillion wasn't able to play Green Lantern in the Green Lantern movie. Oh, there's so many angry and hurt, but hurt fanboys. Um, I don't know, dude. I really don't know. I like I know of the character Star Lord. I read him as a kid. I read some of the New Guardians of the Galaxy books and really enjoyed them. You know me. Anytime I think action, I just think Jason Statham. But I know the type. That'd be dope too. Yeah, <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. You know, you know me. I'm a Statham head. That's just me though. I, I'll, I'll I'll take Statham. I take Statham in a, in a heartbeat. So I, I, my, my wife thinks he's like he's all handsome and shit. Uh-huh. So we were watching Expendables two in the movie theater. Yeah, and when he did that scene where he was just in the church pretending to be the the, the monk there, and he just started with the knife fight and uh-huh. shit, and he was he kicked the shit out of like twenty dudes. Man, I just looked at my wife. I said, "That's our boy right there." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, that's that's the dude, man. Yeah, let's stick with Statham. Let's stick with Statham. All right, I'm gonna do that. Cool. Acceptable for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Nathan Fillion or Jason Statham. There you go. Uh, okay, next one. Lamest DC hero or villain you can't choose, Mr. Banjo. I got mine right off the bat. Gunfire. No, go ahead. Gunfire. Gunfire is the worst superhero in the DC universe. I don't even know who that is, dude. dude. He came out during a blood the Bloodlines crossover miniseries event. Uh, 19 in the night 1992 or 1993 by DC Comics because they tried to uh, introduce a bunch of new superheroes through the Bloodlines event and one of them was a dude called Gunfire basically he is a weapon that 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 was his tagline he is Done. a weapon yeah you don't have to tell me anymore yeah Every, I understand everything he turned everything uh, he, every, there's a lot to choose from but wait, let me finish oh okay. <laughs> there's more everything he touched became a gun. That's why they called him Gunfire. So he's Me- Megatron. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, everything he would touch would become a gun. Oh my God, weak. 
So go ahead, week. sir. So it's on you. Uh, worst, uh, lamest DC hero villain. Can't choose Mr. Banjo. Well, there's the Funky Flashman. Whew. Who is basically like a used, the, the ultimate used car salesman. Uh, let's see. He was a villain. <laughs> How about Angle Man? The dude who had like that triangle. Yeah. And he used to shoot laser beams. He used to fight Wonder Woman all the time. Yeah. Okay. Angle Man. Angle Man is awful. Now, I guess I'll go with those two. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. Um, um, all right. What, what's his. Uh, he's we got have two more two questions, more questions from, from Jim. Yes. Uh, if you could do any special martial arts move other than Sean's cosmic pimp slap, what would it be? I want to do that guile kick. That guile flip kick where like he he literally looks like he's like doing a backflip but he's kicking people in the face. I want yeah, to do yeah. I want to do that. Yes. That's a good one. I have two. I like the uh Luke Kang crazy bicycle kick that just takes you across the screen. <laughs> it makes no sense whatsoever <laughs> that he could do that. Yes, yes. And the um what was it? The the five finger death touch from Kill Bill. Yeah. That would be badass. All I, all I could tell you, if I knew how to do that move, people in my work would be dropping like flies. <laughs> yes. I don't know what happened to him. I just patted him on the chest, and he just he walked five paces, and his heart exploded. I don't know how it happened. That would be amazing. And um, you get promoted real quick too that way. That sure would. Battlefield promotions. Um, and finally, are you guys going to see Dread? Yes. And yes, I think I'm going to try and go Friday. It opens here uh, as of this recording Friday. And I'm going to try and go to a matinee. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, this looks like an, an an actual, as close as you're going to get rendition of Dread. And, and like I always tell people, when they do these movies where they take a comic book and turn it into a film, I don't expect everything to be spot on. I just really want a good, entertaining film with a good story or great story. And I think this might do it. I think this might be the dread movie that uh, that I've been that I know I've personally been wanting to see for a very long time, and I really hope it's good. I like Carl Urban; I'm a fan of his. So yeah, me too. So yeah, I hope it's dope. And that concludes this week's PKD Black Box. The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the HHWLOD Podcast Network and is available at hhwlod.com and is also available via iTunes. If you're on iTunes or our forum board, feel free to leave us a comment or you can email us at blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. Until then, dream big and hustle hard. I watched, um, I finished watching my sci fi instant classic Sand Shark this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Who was in Sand Shark? Brooke Hogan. <sighs> that was it. That was the only name in that fucking movie, dude. Brooke Hogan. That was it. And she played a scientist. That's a stretch. It, that's what I said. <laughs> my wife came in the bedroom while I was watching it. And she goes, uh, so is she a good actress? And I said, let's put it this way. She's better than her father, but that's not saying much. <laughs> Damn, that's harsh. So, so it's no thunder in paradise? Oh, that still hurts me that uh, Jack Lemmon's son had to do that. Uh, still hurts me that 
a lemon. Uh, had a how do you go from duets to, or to was he in du- yeah I think he was in duets. How do you go from duets to Thunder in Paradise? I, or was it Open House? I can't remember. I think it was Open House. I don't think he was in. Duets. No, he wasn't in duets. No, he was in Open House. How do you go from Open House to Thunder in Paradise? I don't know, dude. I mean, what, I don't know, brother. What journey in life did he take to say, you know what, man? I'm down on my luck. Yo, I think it kind of went like this. I think it kind of went like this. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. A boat? Yeah, it talks. What? Who? Hulk Hogan. What's a Hulk? Okay, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> or it went like this. Look, man, my dad cut me off this month. Uh, I really need some money. What do you got for me? Hmm. Uh, I got this thing with Hulk Hogan. Sure. sure. <laughs> and deal. <laughs> Where do I sign? Yes. Uh, that is that is messed you up. You know much? 